And the church said? And worthy is his name. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Man, that was beautiful, beautiful sounding today. Thank you so much. It is good to be here. Amen? Amen. Some are still on a spring break. They'll be back in the fall, but nonetheless, <laughs> we're glad that they get a time away as well. They need that. You probably heard of one about the man that went to the doctors to, he wasn't hearing well, so he decided he was going to get some hearing aids. And uh, so if this doesn't work, just blame my wife. She's the one who told me. And um, so he goes to the doctor. He wants some hearing aids, gets the hearing aids. About a month later, he comes back with an appointment to the doctor. And everything checked out just fine, just no problems at all. And um, so the doctor asked him a question. He said, um, so how's things are going? He says, what does your family think about these new hearing aids that, and you can hear so well? And he said, oh, I haven't told them that I have these hearing aids yet. Oh, you haven't? No, he said, but I've listened to everything they have to say about me very closely. And in the last month, I've changed my will three times. <laughs> Got to be careful. Some people are listening to what you have to say, and uh, they are, and we're thankful for that. Also, we change our minds sometimes. On this message, I wasn't really sure where I was going to take it because on the... Uh, the topic of faith, if you will, this fuel for our journey together, is a topic in which you could talk about really every week. You could push it in with all the things that you have to say about what God tells us on our journey. And so there could be 15 messages, but I won't do that. But I do want to follow up from what we were talking about last week in our faith journey or this journey that we're on. But the fuel for our journey is this thing called faith. There is no doubt. If you weren't here last week, faith is what moves us from one place to the next place with God. If your faith is weak, you won't move very far. Faith is strong, you move further. Pretty much that's what God wants us to do, is just to have faith in Him. Hopefully we'll see that throughout today's message, and we're blessed by God's Word, of course. On October the 25th, 1999, professional golfer uh, Payne Stewart one of my favorite golfers to watch back in the day. He always wore those goofy outfits. And I think every golfer ha should have to wear one of those goofy outfits. And the reason why I say that is so that when you make a goofy shot, nobody's looking at your shot. They're just looking at the goofy you behind the shot. But nonetheless, he left Florida to fly to Dallas on a Learjet. The jet never made a left turn, if you will. It only went northwest. Within moments, it climbed to some 50,000 feet. After a few moments, they lost all contact, of course, with the plane, air traffic controllers. Military jets scrambled to reach the site, the plane itself. When there was no response, experts came up quickly with their diagnosis. The problem was decompression. A sudden loss of cabin pressure during the plane's climb to this type of altitude probably put all of them to sleep pretty quickly. Long before the plane crashed in South Dakota, everyone had probably died from lack of oxygen. Even with when the state of the art planes that were, was out there at the time and the, uh, the access to the finest navigational systems that were available, of course, without oxygen, nothing else really mattered. Gary Enrig wrote these words about that. He said, The life of faith is only a life that pleases God. Nothing else matters if faith is missing. 
It's the beginning of our journey and it's the end of our journey. Before we step into love complete, faith takes us there. It's our faith. There is no doubt. If you remember last week, we mentioned a couple of things that may have helped you and maybe catch you up just a little bit. But on our journey together, it is important that we remember who it is that the one that invited you on the journey in the first place is one of the greatest things that you can keep in mind on your journey with God. Who invited me on this journey makes a big difference. Remember, we talked about people inviting us to go on a trip or in, for us to invite other people on the trip. It's very important. And so in that same process, it is that we remember who invited us on the trip, and his name is Jesus. And the great thing about that, his promise stands behind that. And he promises because I've invited you on the trip with me, and you've accepted that offer, you need to know one thing. For in both places, the Old Testament and the New Testament, you discover, we discover, in Deuteronomy 31 and also in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And the church says, that is good news. C.S. Lewis wrote, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim for the earth and you'll get neither. What are we aiming for in life? And Romans, I want to give you two verses here, and I put them on the screen for you today, and I want you to notice a couple of things about faith. First of all, I want you to notice that God is the one that distributes faith to all people. Everybody in this room receives a measure of faith. It's distributed by God to every single person. There's a measure of faith that is given. Both of these are real easy to remember, and this is what I would remember. These are things that you can put into your memory bank. You don't have to remember all the verses. Just remember Romans 12 and Hebrews 12. Very easy. Say Romans 12. Hebrews 12. It's all you, just remember that. And then when you do that, you say, well, I don't remember the verses. All you got to do is read at least three verses, and you're already there. Okay. So Hebrews 12 and Romans 12, and we look at Romans 12 first, and it says, Now Paul the writer here is writing this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. And he gives us this great statement for all of us to remember. It's about staying humble before the Lord. And he says that. He says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, because I don't care how good of a golfer you are, you're going to hit or you're going to shank one or something's going to happen. Isn't that right, Ernie? Yep, that's right. Now watch, not like he does, but I do. Nonetheless, all right, he says, don't think of yourself higher than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with a sober mind or judgment. Now watch this, in accordance with the faith God has distributed or measured to you, given to you. So God distributes the faith to you. You have a measure of faith, whether you believe it or not. It's planted within you. And we take that faith and we put it in all areas of our lives. We put it in the faith of our car, it's going to start. We put it in the faith of the guy that's kind of flying the plane. Put it in the faith of the surgeon that's going to do surgery on us. There's a measure of faith placed in all people. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, and I find this very interesting, but it's very important to understand it. It says there, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the author, the perfecter of our faith, but the actual word is the finisher of our faith. And he goes on to say there, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the church says, Amen. 
Amen. Now, in that, I want you to see right here the author and the finisher of. So God is the one that gives the measure of faith to all people. Give me an amen. amen. Now, God is the author of faith, and he is the finisher of faith. You get it? It's the bookends. God gives that to all people. He's the bookend of faith. He is the author of it. He is the finisher of it. And what is left between is left up to us to deal with. And in this process, the question comes back to, what do you plan to do with the faith that God has given you? Because you determine whether your faith is great or small, but you will still have faith. So what are you going to do with the faith that God has given you? Remember, faith is what takes you from one place to the next. It's God's given gift to you so that you can move from one place in your life to the next place stronger and better until you reach heaven. What is it? A measure of faith. The measure of faith we mentioned last week, it will determine the unnecessary stops on our journey. Little faith, a lot of stops. Great faith, not so many stops. The question is, How's your faith? How's your faith level? Fuel. How's the fuel line going here? If you look at that, if you look in that process, you could say it's like the size of your tank on your car and the gas mileage that you get on this vehicle that you're driving. It will determine how many stops that you're going to make from one place to the next. If you have a 45-gallon tank and you, your car gets 30 miles to the gallon, you won't have to stop very often. You could sit back and say, wow, this is great. I can make it all the way to, from here to St. Louis on one tank of gas, no problem. But if you have a 45-gallon uh, tank and you get 10 miles to the gallon, hello, something's going to change. We all know that, don't we? We all have vehicles that drink a lot of gas, and we have a lot of vehicles, or some of us have vehicles that you have to wind up before they go, and they get real good gas mileage, right, Linda? Okay, but we'll go on from there. Now, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Someone asked me this question, and this is where it comes into play. It is the same with our faith, the way we move it out in our lives. Someone has asked me, well, Harley, I have faith, and this is a legitimate question that perhaps you have today, or you've thought about, or you will in the future. I have this faith in God, but I just don't see the results that I think that I should see with the faith that I have. Anybody been there? Anybody there even right now? I don't see the results in the faith that I have. And so oftentimes we don't see the results and so we think we're not growing spiritually and we, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And a lot of times there could be something wrong with this which is to do an evaluation is important but it could be other things as well. Why am I not receiving blessings by my faith and through my faith? They said to me, they say, okay, Harley, I've read the verses that you've given us over the years, and last week we gave you Matthew chapter 21. Jesus replied, you remember the story, Jesus replied to his disciples. Notice what he says, he's truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do this, what was done to the fig tree. What was done to the fig tree? Jesus wanted a snack, didn't get a snack, cursed the tree tree withered what happens the disciples are amazed at this happening and Jesus's reply to them was this it's not only that it's something even greater than that now if somebody tells you that you would think well I don't know if that's really true or not 
But listen to what Jesus says, because all of his words are true, and all of his words are doable if he says so. Give me an amen. You got to know that. If you don't believe God's word is doable in your life, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. It's meaning that I want salvation in the end, but I'm going to trust me in the between time. You have faith in self, not in God. Big difference. Notice here he says, but also you can say to this mountain, I can just see those guys just listening, man, just right on the edge. You can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. Man, that's a big statement. But it's not a big statement for God. He's the one that called the mountain into existence. He's the one that calls the sea to come about. So he could say anything he chooses to say, and that is a true statement. For you and I, women, oh, I can never do that. Why couldn't you do it? Because of your faith. If you reverse that, you see how it works. If you don't have faith, you can't say to this mountain, you go cast in the sea, it'll never happen. But if you have faith and say, go cast yourself in the sea, it'll be done. Just like that. Wow, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of faith? Give me an amen. amen. Anybody got that kind of faith here? Yeah, not too many mountains moving. Now, the mountains that we move are different than the mountain that he was standing on, perhaps, of course, than the mountain that you're facing. And I guarantee you, you have a mountain right now that you know that you're standing on and you would love for it to be gone. Give me an amen. amen. That's right. Could be finances. Could be your marriage. Not gone, but fixed. <laughs> I'd like to cast her in the sea. No, okay, all right. <laughs> no, I did not say that. Listen. All right. Well, there could be a lot of reasons, I tell the person when they visit with me. There could be a lot of reasons that this is happening in their life. I may not know them all yet. But perhaps it could be that God is trying to develop your patience. Patience. You should be able, listen closely, you should be able to look at your patient level and see how you've grown in your patience throughout your life. You should be able to see that. And the one noticeable thing should be is that others notice it in you. Then you know you really are working good on that, in that area of your life. So it could be that God is trying to develop patience in you for something down the line that you haven't reached yet. On your journey somewhere down the line. You see, what you have to remember is God not only knows where you're at, God knows exactly where you're going and the journey that you're going to take to get there. So God sees the situation that you might need great patience for. He's trying to teach you that now so that when you get there, you won't bail out and have no faith, but you'll have great faith. Move the mountain. See how it works? That's what God wants for our lives. But even in all of that, maybe it's not time. Ecclesiastes tells us there's time for all things. Maybe it's just not time. Maybe it's not the right time season in your life. I want to tell you something. You can't hurry a tomato to get ripe. If you do, it's manufactured and it's not worth eating. Can I have an amen? amen. Pretty sorry tomatoes. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. You get the picture. You can't hurry that process. 
So you can't hurry the blessing that God has for your life. But you can be assured that a blessing is coming if you have faith in the beginning and all the way through because God's promised they would come. It could be, I'm not sure. I have to tell people that. When I counsel people and they come to me with their problems, oftentimes I have to say, hmm, I don't know. And I know some of you are looking at me, wow, it's amazing. He doesn't know. No, I don't. I'm not sure. However, let me give you one thing that I know for sure that every single person in this room deals with. Every single person. Nobody's exempt, not even your grandma. Everybody deals with it in our lives. Every single person that I know deals with it in some point in their life, some point you've dealt with it or you're going to deal with it or you're going to deal with it over and over. And keep in mind, just because you deal with something in your life one time doesn't mean that you'll never have to not deal with it again. Did you ever make the same mistake twice? Anybody? The rest of you have never made a mistake twice. All right, here's the front rolls. They're empty. Come on up here. Don't make a mistake again. I'm going to ask that question one more time. Anybody make a mistake twice? How about ten times? Somebody, I got a little half over here. We all do. Here it is. In your faith journey, write it down. In your faith journey, you cannot have an unconfessed sin. For it will not work. You are in for rough roads ahead if you have unconfessed sin in your life. Now, someone is saying right now, I understand. Someone's saying right now, I didn't really come for you to tell me about my sin. I just came for you to tell me how I can feel good about myself and go home. If you get rid of the unconfessed sin in your life, you can feel real good about going home. And a lot of us don't feel very good in our lives because we have unconfessed sin in our lives that we're unwilling to confess. Let's see if that's true. Let me give you a prime example of it in the Scripture. Because you've got to back it up with Scripture to give it to us. Somebody's going to listen to this story and they're going to say, Wow, man, they were just like that, weren't they? Weren't they? Weren't they? Weren't they? Instead of seeing, boy, is that part of me? Boy, he's talking about me. You choose. I promise you, you're going to be on one side or the other. Well, some of you might be already to launch your another NCAA blowout. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 1, you remember. Now, Joshua was told by God. You can read the whole thing there for yourself. But Joshua was told by God, Moses is dead, but I promised Moses we're going to take you to the promised land, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Now, you're the leader. So Joshua, I want you to be the leader, and you need to know a couple of things going in. You need to know, understand, for, for this for sure, I will give you every place where you put your foot. It's all yours. Just keep walking. Don't stop walking. It's all yours. But I also want to tell you that the enemy will not be able to defeat you. No matter who you come up against, how big, how tall, how wide, doesn't matter, nobody's going to be able to defeat you. And don't forget, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will never forsake you. Remember that? Old Testament, New Testament, Joshua, us me. Got it? Watch this. So what do they do? They cross the Jordan. They get across. Things are going pretty good. In chapter 5, they come up against one of the most fortified cities of the time. They said three chariots could ride on the walls side by side. 
This is a massive city. This is not a little community. This is a massive fortified city. They come up against this uh, great, great wall there, and all they do is they march around the city, and uh, chapters 5 and 6, it starts in 5 and ends up here in 6, and the walls crumble before their very eyes. But remember, all of this takes place because of their faith, nothing that they did. They never shot a weapon, they never used dynamite, never called in the, the jets. All because of great faith. Now, you, can you imagine? Now listen, go back to the mountain being thrown into the sea. If somebody said, you march around this building these many times and blow a horn and yell real loud and the building's just going to collapse. You could have a great business tearing down buildings, couldn't you? If somebody told you that, what would you do? But you go back to the mountain and you see that's thrown into the... Now, they walked by faith. Give me an amen. So what do they do? They walk by faith, and guess what happened? You see, when God calls us to do something and we do it, God shows His glory. He shows His might. He shows His strength. He shows Himself off so that we can glorify Him more. I love when God shows off. Did you see the sunset yesterday? Sunset yesterday? He shows off. Did you just look at it and say, oh, it's probably going to rain tomorrow. What did you do? Did you glorify God? Most beautiful artist out there is God. Pay attention. Here we go. Joshua 6. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And the sound of the trumpets, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. Lordy be, they say in Kentucky. So everyone charged, uh, charged straight in, and they took the city, and they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, because God said to do that. So far, so good. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about the people on the inside of the city, and think about the people that were called by faith. The ones on the inside of the city were not called to faith. They weren't called to faith. They are looking at these people across the fence, if you will, across the wall, as lunatics. That's all they could think. You can only imagine those first six day evenings at dinner what the conversation was. Yep, they're at it again. Yep, they're at it again. What do they think they're going to do? I don't know. Now the ones on the outside of the wall, they were called to have the faith. Now I don't know about you, but if the leader says, I'm going to walk around this big city today, and in seven days, it's going to fall down. I'm thinking, I don't know, man. I'm thinking maybe we need to get a new leader. Anybody? Anybody else got a plan? Because I don't know this one might work. But nonetheless, they, they did this through great faith. There is no doubt. Now, they did all of that, and their faith has to be at the end of it, because when that seventh day comes, now remember, the climax hasn't happened yet, but now it's taking place on the seventh day. And so when it does, what do you think their faith is? Where do you think their faith is now when they see the wall crumble and they charge in and they just take it over? What do you think their faith is? Where's their faith? Here? How about here? How about here? Where would your faith be? My gosh, it worked. Woohoo! Wouldn't you say that? Their faith is off the charts. So what do they do next? 
Man, with that kind of faith, we can do anything we can. God's told us he'll never forsake us, and man, he's right. We're going to defeat all our enemies. There's nobody going to be able to stand against us. Yes, let's go. So they go up to a little place, a little community, just a small place. No fortified walls, none of that at all. It's a little place that I can even spell AI. AI. Joshua looks at it and he realizes it doesn't take very many, and so he sends in 2,000 or so men, and he says, let's just go in, wipe them out. Come on, we'll just keep going because God said so. My faith is up here. Well, we know the rest of the story, and in that story, they got their tails kicked, and they came home licking their wounds. Some 36, I think, 34 or so of them died, actually. Many were wounded. How could this happen? Well, God must not be true to his word. Where's their faith level? Is it here? Faith love is doing this. Because you see, our faith in all of us grows and shrinks. Our faith does this. One sentence can cause your faith. The right word can cause your faith to be here. So what happens? Joshua's great man of faith, great man of God, isn't he? Chapter 7. In chapter 7, he goes in. And he begins to cry out to the Lord. He gets down on his knees. He falls on his face, prostrate before the Lord. And he says, why, is this let it, why have you let this happen to us, oh God? Why have you let this happen to us? You said you would be with us. You promised us this. You promised us that. And now look at us. This little bitty town, they've wiped us or they've hurt us really bad. Now all the big ones are going to find out about it. And they're going to come and they're going to defeat us. It would be better for us to be back in captivity. Hmm. Again, where is their faith? Even their leader. This is important. Leaders must walk in the greatest of faith at all times. Or your followers will become weaker and weaker. So what happens? God says, oh, I'm sorry, Joshua. I was taking a nap. I failed you. I'm sorry. Not. Notice what he says. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. God doesn't mess around with it. Listen, when God says something is sin and he calls it sin, we should never be ashamed to call it sin. You want to know why? Because it's the spoken word of God. It's God's word. It's not me saying it. It's God saying it. I'm not judging. God has said it. I should never be afraid or ashamed to proclaim God's word and all of its truth. And God said, you've sinned. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated the covenant which I commanded them to keep. I've commanded something and you didn't keep it. You lied, you stole, you cheated and did all these things and somebody's hit it all in their own stuff and you've done all those things and he says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Listen to me very carefully. Somebody needed to read that sentence again. Is there something in your life that you know that you should get rid of, but you're unwilling to do so. Well, it's really not that bad, according to and, and so in, in this person and that person. Just ask yourself the simple question, what would Jesus do, or would you take Jesus with you when you did that? 
And remember as a Christian, you can't, you're not alone. He's even parked the spirit of God with inside of you. So when you think you're looking at something or doing something or hearing something or saying something and all those things and you think that, you know, that's another thing. This is a different thing. And God is saying, really? And I pray that each time all of us on our journey together at Western Hills, when that God pricks our hearts, we turn from that and receive what God wants for us so that our journey together will be much healthier. Give me an amen. See, you can pull up to a gas station, and there can be plenty of fuel in the ground, but if the gas station is closed, you aren't getting any gas out of the pump. I don't care how much faith you have. So a man named um, Aiken, A-C-H-A-N, Aiken. He's Aiken. He's about to ache. Aiken. Aiken had sinned. He saw the beautiful things and he said, wow, nobody's looking. I'll just take that. We'll just take it home, put it in the tent. Later on, me and my family will be set. Think about it. So this man, Aiken, now watch this, and this is important as well because we're on this journey together, remember? On this journey together. Why is this important? I hope you listen. Is in this, on this journey... Achan's sin had blocked the flow of the blessing to God's people even though the people around Achan were walking in faith. Did you catch that? All the people were not guilty of this, but all the people did not receive the blessing because of this. What does that say? Your sin affects me. My sin affects you. This is why we have to keep a guard. We have to put on the full armor of God. We've got to be clothed with Christ. This is why we need to meet together in our classes on Wednesdays and Sundays and come together in assemblies. And all of those, we need this time together so that we can check each other and check ourselves in that process so that we stay pure before God. The same thing is true in our lives, my friend. We can have faith in God in our lives. But if we harbor unconfessed sin in our lives, the flow of the blessing is hindered not because of God, but because of us. So the person asking the question, why is God not coming through to me? It may be me. And usually that's the last one we want to look at. It's a circumstance. It's something else. It's someone else. It's the preacher's fault. It's this fault. It's that fault. Something else. It's my wife's fault. It's not my fault that I drink. She nags, so I just drink to make it go away. Whose fault? It's what we do. Pure faith. Pure faith is required by God. Pure faith is what turns the fuel back on in your life. Did you know that? Pure faith turns the fuel back on in your life. Pure faith can only be had through the filter system of the blood of Jesus Christ, Christ, which comes through the word repentance. We don't hear that word very often. On this journey, I pray that God does not take that off my heart. And I pray that on this journey, you hear that word often. Repentance. Why? 
repentance, I think one of the most beautiful things that God has given us and allows us to take on our journey is a thing called repentance. Why do I say that? Did you ever run on empty? And I mean that, that it tells you how many miles you got or it starts dinging and it's telling you you're about out of fuel and it's been dinging for the last 30 minutes and you have not seen one gas station in sight. Anybody been there but me? What's that make you feel like? What's it make you feel like? It makes you feel like a little anxious. It makes you feel like a little nervous. It makes you like you just kind of clam up. You're like, you need to coast down the hill. And I'm, I'm trying to make it, right? The word repentance is so beautiful from God. It is like this. We're running on these empties and we pull into the gas station and we leave full. And when you leave full from that gas station, after you've been running on empty for a long time, you know what it does to you? It causes you to have confidence on the journey. You need confidence. We need confidence on our journey. But if you're running on empty, confidence is shaken. A little low. Looking for a service station. The great thing I can tell you about that is this. If you are running on empty today, you need to know that there's a fueling station right around the corner and he wants you to fill her up. Remember back in the day when you used to, uh, I was, I was going, Larry, Larry Copeland can remember these days, where when you pulled, when you're pulled in, I was going to put a uh, picture up there, when you pulled into the gas station and you heard, ding, ding. Now, all you young people, you have no clue. Ding, ding. That doesn't mean nothing to you. But when we were growing up and you heard ding, ding, that meant something good. You know what it meant? Somebody go, how can I help you, sir? Put the gas in. Put, put the, I'll clean your window, check your oil, check your battery, check your tires. I'll give you I, whatever you want. I'll do it. I'll wax your car if you want. Right? Nowadays, it's not like that. See, we're so used to self-serve that we forgot that God is a God that wants to serve us and fill her up. Clean the windshield off. Get us back on the highway with some confidence. Isn't that good? I just came up with that, so write it down. Here we go. <laughs> there are some things. Oh, man. There are some things on your car called, there's a thing on your car called a fuel filter. Jason knows this. And, but listen, watch this. There's a thing on your car called a fuel filter. And when it gets plugged up with the impurities, your vehicle cannot run properly. Some of us know that and some of us don't. Oh, you can continue down the road for quite a while. In fact, many times you can go a long ways. But you're going to, at some point, if you let it go long enough, you're going to end up on the side of the road on your journey, and you're going to end up on the side of the road with your hood up, <laughs> and you're going to say to yourself, what's wrong with this stupid car? I didn't call you stupid, I called the car stupid. Is that okay in the political world we live in? Stupid car, as though the car is going to respond. Has this ever happened to any of you besides me? We'll get you. <laughs> I, love, I love you folks. You're so good to me. Watch this. The average gas filter is between $15 and $50, give or take, depending on what you put in, of course. Think about that. We're going to talk about this next week, oil. But you remember the commercial that said, you can pay me now or pay me later, correct? 
And so here it is, 15, say 10 to $50 or thereabouts to change. Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make sense? Let's check that out. Because if it doesn't, we could run into all kinds of problems. It could cost you a lot of time and a lot of money. How do I know that? <laughs> Been there, done that. Right? It's late. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're driving on expressway. <laughs> Car quits. What do you do? You call the garage. Well, you call your insurance, but they call the garage for you. They call the garage. Two hours later, they show up. Right? I was going to say something there, but I don't want to say it. Anyway, so they take you to the garage. They pull it into the garage. So far, so good. Oh, by the way, it's going to take some time to figure out exactly what's wrong with your car. And by the way, we close in five minutes, and I'm the only service station in town. So you need to get a room for tonight. Oh, by the way, we, call, we charge you to house your car for the night, too. But don't worry, there's only one motel in the, in the town. My brother-in-law owns it. It's right across the street. And, and the cafe right next to it, it's only one in town, by the way. <laughs> My sister owns that one. You get the picture? It costs you something. It costs a great deal in your life. That is why it is, that, that's the way it is with our lives, I should say. We want the blessing of God, but we oftentimes hinder it ourselves. Did you know that you can hinder your faith walk with God? I wish I had more time, and if I was doing some Bible classes, I'd probably I'd, I'd really take off on this because I know that you could really have a lot of input that would help me even developing messages. But did you know that you can hinder your, your faith walk with God? And perhaps we're the ones that hinder our faith walk with God the most. We might think it's other things and circumstances, but normally it comes back to moi, me. Write this down. You cannot live a lie and live faith at the same time and expect a God-faith result. You can't do it. If I had time, we'd go to Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, the book of Acts. They paid the ultimate price. They could have kept it all, but they lied about it. It's like driving with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. You're not going to go very far very fast. It's going to get pretty ugly. So perhaps, as we close, perhaps today God is speaking to you in your spirit today. I pray that He is. And perhaps He is saying, you are asking me, you are asking me why are things hap happening to me? Why aren't things happening to me the way I want them to be? Why won't you bless me like you once did, God? Listen closely. For perhaps God is saying and whispering to you today, stand up. There's sin in your camp and you need to deal with it. What's good about that? The great news is when you do deal with it, You know what he does? He doesn't do, he doesn't stone you like they did Achan. Stone him to death. God doesn't do that. He promises that he will forgive us. And he doesn't even charge us. Duh. In fact, he tells us the bill has already been paid for in full. Now, if that doesn't make a person stop 
and thank God on the journey with Him, I don't know what will. For the Scripture is true. If we confess our sins, the biggest word there is if. If I, put it there, if I confess my sins, He is faithful to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, change my gas filter for me. But there's a price. For it says, for the wages are what? The price of sin is death. But the payment in full is Jesus Christ. And it is a gift that God wants to give to you. Do you want that in your life? On this journey, don't you want that in your life? A God that offers everything on our journey with Him. Whatever your need is today. We're going to sing a, a song just for you. Don't hesitate. Pull off. Get the fuel that you need. And then get back on the road with confidence. Serving a God on this journey together. God bless you. Whatever your need is, you come right now. It's together we stand and sing.